Hey everybody, welcome to The Comeback. I'm your host, Kyle Michael Miller. During this episode, we're talking with Jennifer Bucklin, a mother of two who battled breast cancer and kept her hair during chemotherapy thanks to a cooling cap. We're also joined by her doctor, director of breast oncology at Cleveland Clinic, Dr. James Abraham. But first, here's Jennifer in her own words. Hi, my name is Jennifer Bucklin. I'm 43 years old. I have two children, Ava, age 10, and Zach, age 7. In May of 2015, I was diagnosed with breast cancer and immediately underwent surgery, mastectomy with reconstructive surgery, and 12 weeks of chemotherapy with one year of Herceptin infusions. I was fortunate enough during chemotherapy treatment to participate in a cooling cap study here at the Cleveland Clinic. And now I can say I'm cancer free three years later and still have my hair. Jennifer, Dr. Abraham, it's so great to see you guys. Thanks, thanks Thank for you. having Thank me. You. So Jennifer, it's been three years since you yes. beat breast cancer. You look terrific. Thanks. How are you thanks. feeling? I'm feeling great. Definitely went through some ups and downs and uh, been focused on healing both physically and mentally and feeling stronger. I'm in a much different place even a year ago to today. And so feeling good, feeling great. Do you actually. feel like you're back to your normal self now? Uh, it's a new normal. It's not the normal I once knew, but that's okay. I'm okay with that. I uh, ran a half marathon for the Cleveland Half Marathon in May. Oh, really? I still owe <laughs> you a photo. <laughs> and uh, I was starting to train for a full marathon, but got injured. So now I'm the patient. <laughs> so, but I, I see that still in the horizon. So. Yeah. Um, everyone who's diagnosed with cancer remembers the call, the call that mm. they get. Um, you were completely blindsided by that call. What do you remember about that day? It was the end of May. There was a lot going on in the month of May. My grandmother had passed away. And in the midst of that, I got a biopsy and I wasn't really giving it much thought. I came back from a trip to Boston with my family and I got a call from the pathologist saying we need to talk, and that's never a good call when somebody wants to talk to you directly. Got back to work the next day, still couldn't get a hold of the pathologist. At my lunch break, I ran into an office, and I think I told you this, Kyle, that I had this teeny tiny little sticky note <laughs> that was smaller than the regular size sticky notes to take jot down notes from this pathologist that was trying to tell me that they had found cancer cells. And, you know, the language was foreign to me, talking about DCIS and ductal carcinoma and I, I, just foreign language to me. And I'm just trying to write on this little piece of paper. And she just said, you know what, call the office, let's get you in, and we'll talk further. So, yeah, it took me a while to kind of sink in what was going on. And uh, I sat down with Dr. Fanning, who discussed different options for me, I decided to opt for a mastectomy based on the characteristics of cancer. And from that mastectomy, I got um, news that it was actually stage one uh, invasive ductal carcinoma. And so that prompted chemotherapy. So one thing led to another as far as, you know, the mammogram was at age 40 and you're just told by your primary doctor to go on in, get it checked out. Then you get another mammogram to repeat the first one because you have nothing to compare to. Then you go to the biopsy and it was just a very quickly moving 
kind of uh, a falling out of the diagnosis. I didn't have much time to really process what was going on. So I, I think when you're first diagnosed, it takes a lot to wrap your head around what's going on and also to learn the language. I didn't know what, even though I, I work in a medical community, I, I didn't know anything about anything for breast cancer. So it's almost like a whole new world you were thrown into. Right. So it's that one little sticky note isn't going to, isn't going to cut it. <laughs> isn't going to fill all the words that I need to explain what's going on. It's so complex. Yeah. Dr. So. Abraham, Jennifer, like she just said, she went through a mastectomy, chemotherapy, infusion treatments, reconstructive surgeries, but she also um, had a new device called the cooling cap. What is the cooling cap and how does it work? So we use chemotherapy, um, especially when it's high risk and, and, and we are trying to prevent a recurrence of cancer anywhere in the body. So as you heard from Jennifer, the diagnosis of cancer, the treatment really change uh, that person's life. And, uh, and, uh, it comes to a complete Halt. A complete yeah. halt, and, yes. and it's a pause, pause and, and, and a physical and emotional change. And when we talk about chemo, almost the number one concern from women is you know, losing hair. Mm -hmm. you know, and lose or changing the identity. You know, you're losing hair. You heard about mastectomy. So these are all you know, things which define a person. So cooling cap is a device which can potentially prevent uh, chemotherapy-induced hair loss. So we uh, did the original study, the, the study which led to the FDA approval of this particular cooling device which Anna Jennifer used. So it's, uh, it's almost like a helmet-like device. Um, you put that on, 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 on the, the patients put that on um, their head before 30 minutes before uh, starting the chemotherapy then during chemo and they keep it after the chemotherapy um, so it's connected to a, a, a machine um, and Jennifer can probably explain this better mm -hmm. a, a device and a coolant a fluid is circulating through this you know, helmet like uh, device so and it's keeping the scalp cold and how cold does it get Jennifer I want to say it's below 32, right? right? Yeah. So it, it's cold. It, it is cold. very it cold. Is cold. <laughs> yeah. Is it uncomfortable uh, at first? It is. It's uh, it's kind of that mind-numbing cold, that raw, deep cold, and then you just kind of get used to it. You forget about it. Yeah. And what are some of the other effects of the cooling cap? I know there's certain routines that you weren't able to do with your hair. Right, so there's this whole ritual preparing for, I had chemotherapy each week, once a week, so um, the research team was pretty regimented in how they approached it as well, but I couldn't use any hair uh, products as far as hair dryer, flat iron, uh, I had to brush gently, only wash every two, three times a week, very gently. You wanted to preserve whatever hair you had. So they had a, a lotion that they put on the hair first, and then they cover the, the rim of your scalp so that you don't have any kind of burns, freezer burns. It's a preparation for the cap, and it worked. Yeah, that's great. And it probably also made your morning routine a lot quicker. Right. You couldn't so use you a flat iron, you couldn't <laughs> use hair products. And I'm addicted to flat iron, so <laughs> that was a hard one. But yeah, even tying your hair up in a ponytail holder, things like that, you couldn't just to be very gentle with your hair. So. And how long did that last? The whole treatment? Or yeah, the, for the cooling cap. So it was through chemotherapy treatment for 12 weeks. Okay. 
So. Yeah, and Dr. Abraham, is the cooling cap available for all cancer patients? So the original FDA approval is for breast cancer, and mainly early breast cancer. And our study were, uh, was stage one to two breast cancer patients. Um, and we have that available in Cleveland Clinic now uh, for breast cancer patients. Uh, the FDA is um, expanding its indication for all uh, tumors, but predominantly focusing on breast cancer. Got it. Um, Jennifer, obviously your main goal was to beat cancer. Um, but why was it so important for you to preserve your hair, too? Well, I think it just keeps some sense of normal in your life. Losing your hair is a very visible sign that something is not right with a, a vibrant, healthy 40-year-old. So it's, you know, my kids, my family, we could continue life as is. And um, I think just just plugging away at the day-to-day -day was important to me. And oh, by the way, I'm getting this treatment too. <laughs> it's kind of a side note. So. Do you think that being able to keep your hair kind of helped shield your kids from feeling the effects of, of their mom going through cancer? Definitely, definitely. Yeah. They really didn't miss a beat. They were young at the time. My son was two going on three. My daughter was six going on to seven. So really little. And Dr. Abraham, how does hair loss impact women emotionally who are going through breast cancer? So as Jennifer said, uh, the diagnosis of cancer uh, really changes um, their life. So let's just say somebody's having you know, surgery, of course, that changes their appearance. And then, as Jennifer is saying, the real the feeling of sickness or being so-called cancer patient comes when they get chemotherapy. Mm -hmm. and, and then, and as Jennifer is saying, um, when they lose hair and then appear in front of you know, the rest of the world um, as someone who is sick. So I, you know, if we can at least help with one element of it, you know, which is hair loss, you know, mm -hmm. there's multiple other things happening, you know, nausea, vomiting, and fatigue, and neuropathy, and all those things. If we can help at least one key element of appearance, um, I think it's really important. And when we talk to the patients, um, that's actually one of the things we uh, talk constantly, and you know, hair loss, and people ask, and am I going to I lose remember hair? Nancy, uh, your nurse, she was telling me, oh, and by the way, you're going to lose your hair. Right. And I thought, just real defiant, like, I am not going to lose my hair. <laughs> <laughs> not going to happen. <laughs> and it didn't. <laughs> and it didn't. <laughs> but I just, it was like, oh, you're going to feel this, this, and this, and oh, by the way, this is going to happen. Get right. your wig, get your scarves, get right. prepared, right. which I did, right. but didn't need it. Right. But right. yeah, I had to prove her wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Jennifer, we're going to play a little game called Go Fish. Oh I'm sure you've probably played it with your kids before. <laughs> yeah. So we have a fishbowl here in studio. Why don't you take the lid off of it oh boy. and you're going to go fishing. There are three questions in there for you. Pull one out, <laughs> read it, and then give us your answer. What's one thing you cherish now? Oh, my health, for sure. Health and vitality. The fact that I can get out and run, I did up to 15 miles. I mean, I did, I've never done that in my life. So, health. Yeah. Dr. Abraham gave me back my life. <laughs> <laughs> I have a dream team, though. <laughs> it's Dr. Abraham, Dr. Fanning, and Dr. Marrera. So, 
Thank breast you. surgeon, plastic surgeon, oncologist. They, That's my dream. They team. took care of you. So yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And it probably all also helps you just normal things in your everyday life. Right. That you took for granted, you know, people just waking up in the morning and having breakfast. You said you had two cups of coffee right. this morning, like those little things. Yeah, you they miss mean those so things when you're, when you're sick and ill and tired. You just want to get up and do. You want to provide for your family. You want to work. And I have a hard time sitting back and just letting life go by. I want to participate in it. So, yeah. Good. Question two. Go fishing again, Jennifer. Mm. <laughs> How has beating cancer changed your perspective at work? Oh, that's a good one. So I'm a physical therapist at Euclid Hospital Outpatient Rehab. So shout out to my team there. And I always, I always would like to think that I had a lot of empathy on the job. But once you have gone through something as big as what I went through, you have a better, richer understanding of what the healing process is, what it takes to overcome. And I, I feel like I can approach patient care with a much more deeper, richer approach than I used to. So I just have a different perspective and it gives you a little bit of street cred to say, oh, I've been through this too. I know what you're going through because I've been through it. And I'm sure your, so. your patients that you see appreciate that too. Yeah, so we see a lot of uh, stroke-based neuro neurological conditions, and there, although it is not cancer per se, it is life-altering, life-changing, and I get it. One more question in that fishbowl. Mm. <laughs> Where's everybody else's question? No, 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 no. It's about you. <laughs> what would you like to say to encourage women diagnosed with breast cancer? I would like to say, and I think I've said this to you before, that you need to have faith in the medical community and stay true to your path. Just block out the noise that's around you because there is a lot of noise. There's a lot of suggestions. Oh, my aunt did this. My grandma did this. And I think you just have to be at peace with um, the path that you've choose chosen and that um, the doctors are going to lead you there. Dr. Abraham, what's your piece of advice for women battling breast cancer or even also talking just more broadly about why women should get screened? So now I can say um, if, if I look at all patients coming to my clinic, 80% of them will be cured or they'll have a long-term survival. So my, uh, my, my word is breast cancer is a curable disease, um, especially if it's diagnosed early. Um, so fortunately, um, in the U.S., uh, about 80% of the breast cancers are diagnosed um, in stage one or stage two, as Jennifer is saying. That's mainly because of screening. So it's extremely important for us, uh, for, a, for a woman, to have breast awareness and uh, knowing you know, how their breast is. And second, um, um, do screening uh, based upon their risk. Um, they should be talking to their uh, primary care doctors or family doctors about uh, screening starting from the age of 40. Mm -hmm. What would you say to somebody who is diagnosed, let, let's say they were getting diagnosed today, would be your one piece of advice for them before they start on this whole new journey? When I'll echo what Jennifer said. It's really important to have a team whom you trust. 
uh, it's really important to have a team. And breast cancer treatment is done by a team, and uh, that includes a pathologist, a radiologist, a surgeon, medical oncology, radiation, plastic surgeon, nurses, genetic counselor. So it's really, really important to have a team whom you can trust your life with. Yes. yes. Yeah. And I, I needed second opinions along the way. It seemed like every decision I made, I had to, it was shades of gray. So um, I came to Dr. Abraham based on a second opinion. And by the time I heard the information the second time around, he had a way of laying it out that just made sense to me. Mm. And I think sometimes you have to hear it more than once and from a different perspective before you're at peace with it. So at least for me, that was yeah. same thing with radiation. I needed a second consult. They weren't sure if I needed it or not. And so I, in the end, did not need radiation, but I have an alternative dream team member if I need him. <laughs> <laughs> so he's in the wings if I ever mm. need radiation, but <laughs> I, yeah. We are so thrilled that you're doing so well right now. Thanks. You look great. Thanks. You feel good. Yes. Yeah. And you're rebounding and the best is yet to come. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. And thank you everybody for listening. You can find additional podcast episodes on our website, clevelandclinic.org backslash podcasts on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play. We'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.